It is the uh, Matt Mosley Show, ESPN Central Texas, alongside Aaron Sexton. And uh, we're getting ready for a big weekend of college, NFL, all of it, high school, of course, Friday night. And uh, got a lot of things planned. And tomorrow, uh, right now, Kevin Longquist is joining us from Rivals. And uh, Kevin, great to, great to have you on. If you, for whatever reason, decide to come into Waco early, uh, I will be doing a live show on campus um, right over there at Common Grounds, one of the great coffee houses. Oh, yes, I've been there. Texas. Yeah, I enjoy it yeah. very much. Yeah, in fact, Kevin, they uh, they make a frozen cappuccino. But uh, one of my old college buddies, Jill Mashburn, ran that thing for years, and then she finally sold it to my uh, my new friends, the Batsons. And then now they've become big um, uh, sponsors of the radio show. So, Kevin, go. just uh, give a shout-out to Common Grounds. I will do that. I will absolutely do that, Matt. Good to be with you again. Thanks for having me. Yeah, well, I appreciate it when you come on in such a good mood like that and start thanking me. And things. This is, <laughs> well, this is, you saved me from my workout, which was killing me. So your so your timing well, is perfect. I hope that you're not still on that treadmill. One day, I never brought it up, but one day you were still on there, and I could tell you were breathing hard. And I thought, okay, I'm not going to call him out on this, but I could tell you were you were doing something. But, no, uh, I just finished actually. So all right, you're good. good. Kevin Longquist from a gym somewhere in the Metroplex. Now, Kevin is also big time, um, does some Friday night stuff, and that's probably what will prevent him from being at my live show. Who, do, who does Alito have? Alito, one of the great programs. By the way, why does the morning news not rank them in their area thing? I mean, Alito's definitely uh, in the area. Isn't that weird? I was looking at that think, recently. Yeah. And they're not ranked in the top twenty. Although they're a state-ranked team, would that be correct in the Class Five A? Yeah, I think part of that is is that the morning news can't decide if they are in their area or if they're not, and it's okay. kind of like how far how far how far west do they stretch? And of course, I think that's kind of where it all Abilene. ends up. Yeah, well. <laughs> no, I'm not going to go that far, but I think they go as far as maybe uh, the like White Settlement or something like that, and that's about All as far right. as they go. But they get but they get Everman this weekend for homecoming. And real quickly, I did see uh, Dylan Riola, uh, the quarterback from Burleson, who camped at Baylor last week, and you know it was really his first test uh, as a varsity player against a really good defense in, in Alito. And I'll say this: he's got a big arm; uh, he can place it very well. But he played like a sophomore in a lot of cases, where he a lot of where he made a lot of bad mistakes. He threw a pick six that went 99 yards the other way, um, where he really made a bad decision on it. And of course, there were times where he just, you know, the pass rush just got to him. And so those are things. I, I mean, I really think that that game for him though is a great lesson for him to understand what it's going to be like when you face upper echelon teams and upper echelon defenses. So yeah. you know, even, yeah, it, even though it didn't go well for him, those are things that you're just going to have. Those are bumps in the road you're going to have to endure. Yeah, and, and that kid who came to a Baylor camp for Alito, uh, Hunter Haas, or, or Haas Haney, who I've told you yes. about, Hunter Haas is a golfer, but uh, <laughs> Haas Haney has been lining up in the slot and has put up some big yardage. Now, while we're on the, uh, as a sophomore, and I think he's going to be a really fine quarterback, but right now they're using him uh, for his athleticism, and he's delivering in a big way. As a sophomore yeah. at Alito, which I think says a lot, and Baylor will kind of keep tracking him, although he is a TCU legacy, I might add. Before we get into Baylor-Iowa State, what did you think of this Baylor 
this most recent Baylor commit, um, a big man being compared a little bit to Chamwa Chachua, which is great. I mean, <clears throat> if this guy's anything like JTT, I mean, that would be, that would be uh, or Everyday John, that would be very exciting. But, uh, but this, is a, this is a 2022 commit that I think is being sort of thought of as a top 25 type player in the country. Uh, big guy, 6'9", 6'10", and man, looks mm -hmm. like he's got some shot blocking, but also a, some uh, offensive polish to his game as well. Yeah, what I like about him, uh, Matt, and I watched some uh, film on him yesterday or last night uh, because this came down so late, was I really like the way he runs the floor um, and the fact that he can get, get down in position. Well, a couple of things, that, you know, we talked about the polish. There were a couple of plays, and again, it's a small sample of what we know of him. But the, what I did like is the fact that he was, you know, he did a pretty good job of posting around the basket. Now, the one thing he's going to have to watch out when he gets to this uh, Division One level of ball where Baylor's at is maybe putting the ball on the floor around the post or around the block because you could have a guard that could come in and pick that thing off and steal it from him. But I think his move, his footwork's really good. And like I said, if you can run down the floor so you can get back on defense and potentially block a shot or at least alter. I always think I kind of look at the way you ch – from a big man, it's not so much uh, like the block shots, much like the sacks, and, uh, sacks for defenses. It's like changing shots or like the quarterback hurries. You see the comparison I'm making? If you can change shots more than you block them, you've done more than half your job as far as I'm concerned. Yeah, I like that. And no, I, think I that, do like what you're yeah. saying. Yeah. And uh, that Joshua, we didn't say his name, so I wanted to do that real quick. Uh, do you have a good – will you want to have a go at this or do you want me to do it? No, I'm not even going to touch it. Um, <laughs> I'm going to Joshua, Joshua O. <laughs> Joshua Owuana. Joshua o Owuana or Owuna. Okay. It took so, us a full season to say Chachua, so let's just kind of take baby steps on this. And so. Okay. All right. He's going to be big time for the Bears. Now, let's start thinking about Saturday. Um, Kevin, as we start digging in on Baylor versus Iowa State, first of all, big picture, the opportunity – for Dave Aranda, this is arguably, and you can say, well, what about the first game? Well, whatever. This is maybe the biggest game of the young uh, Aranda era because you have a quality 14th-ranked team coming into McLean Stadium against a team, let's be honest, we don't know what Baylor is yet. We, we like no. some of the things we see, but anybody who tries to, and there's some people out there on Twitter, oh, Baylor's this and Baylor's great and, Oh, my gosh, their right. offensive line is the greatest in the country. They have not played the kind of competition that would truly tell us any of those things. I mean, you're, yeah. you're completely guessing. But, but what do you think this – what do you think of this opportunity for Aranda in this program with Iowa State coming in on Saturday? Well, I think that this is a game that is – they're capable of winning it. Because the one thing I think what Iowa State does is that sometimes their offense can get in their own way. You know, Brock Curry does have a propensity to turn it over. Witness the three turn the three interceptions he had against Iowa two weeks ago, and then I always think back to when, when Brock threw the pick against Oklahoma in the Big 12 championship game last year. So that's one thing that I think Baylor's going to have to get a couple turnovers. Now, here's what I've said to a couple of other people: If this game is played straight up with few penalties, maybe a turnover to each side or something like that, Iowa State's going to win this. If 
but if Baylor can get a couple of turnovers and something out of maybe special teams or whatever, then they definitely have put themselves in a chance to win this. But the one thing that we've got to figure out is it, it, when people are, it, or when people are talking about this team being able to open up the playbook, I don't know if you really can do that with this team because they've worked so hard to establish their identity as a running football team. And then if you're going to suddenly ask Gary Bohannon, oh, you're going to be zipping it all over the field, that's not what they do. That's not what they want to do. They're going to have to just commit to their running game like they've committed to in these first three games. And even if they're getting two or three yards of pop, Matt, they've got to show Iowa State that they're willing to do it and that they will commit to do it because if they don't, then they get out of their game plan and then they lose their identity. And then it's like, then they got to start all over again next week at Oklahoma State. So I think that's imperative for them to, to remain who they are and obviously just try and get positive yards each time. The one thing about Iowa State, this front for them, which is going to be the greatest challenge for this, for this Baylor offensive line is, think about this, opponents notwithstanding, but Iowa State's defense is allowing 1.6 yards per carry. I've never seen that with a team through three games, and I don't care if that's, like I said, their opponent. And think about it with, with Iowa. Iowa only had 175 yards total offense, give or take, and they only had about 73 yards rushing. So, again, that shows you where they were getting a lot of their points on Iowa State's end of the field so that they were able to convert field goals and get the one touchdown uh, from the uh, brief Paul uh, fumble. Now, that's interesting. Talking to Kevin Longquist from Rivals, and um, he's uh, you can see him at Sikkim Sports um, is uh, his Twitter, and you can uh, pick up on some of the things he says there. It, to me, Kevin, they, they are going to have to loosen that thing up. And what you're talking mm-hmm. about is a defense that puts a lot of players, commits to a lot of players in the box, and they sell out to stop the run. That's what Baylor's mm-hmm. been very good at, the run. And so how do you open up the, the defense without asking Gary to do too much? That's tough. That's a tough thing. Yeah. Now, one thing you can do is do a lot of boots and move the pocket a little bit to to not put so much pressure on that offensive line to to you know where they're having to stay with their blocks for a long period of time and use his athletic ability but I do think Gary like it or not is going to have to run the football I mean th- th- he is so big and so talented with his feet that and he he can uh he can he can lean on a defense a little bit so uh, obviously, you want to get Ebner and you want to get Abram involved, but I think this this quarterback is going to have to run the football against Iowa State. I don't have a problem with that. I don't disagree with that. I think it's going to be a selective kind of way you use it. Now, and to your point about the boots, you know, we saw that with the touchdown pass he threw to Tyquan Thornton against Texas Southern. We also saw that too uh, in the opener against Texas State, where he does those half rolls and then he's able to kind of set his feet and then fire, which I think we'll see a couple of those. Well, the one thing I'd like to see a little bit more of is how much he can get the tight ends involved, like your Ben Sims and Drake Dabney, because, you know, Ben finally caught a pass uh, last week against Kansas. Great catch, by the way. But I think this is a game where maybe you get your tight ends involved a little bit more, and I think that's kind of how you get – maybe you draw their safeties back toward, the t- toward Sims and or Dabney. The other thing I'm going to say too, Matt, is uh, if Baylor's going to commit to the run, I think you would see potentially two tight end sets with maybe Sims on one side, Dabney on the other, that sort of thing, especially in short-yarded situations, if they get to like a third and two. Now, now here's the one thing about this. 
if it's in the third quarter, let's say it's a one-score game and they're down and they're facing like a third and two at the Iowa State 41, what would you do? Would you punt to play field position or would you say, we've got to show that we can do this and we're going to go for it? You know, those are the types of decisions where Dave Aranda is going to really make his money for something like this if they get into that situation on Saturday. Man, he's a go, go, go guy. I mean, I, I mm-hmm. as crazy as it is to think, I, I even at Baylor's own 40 uh, or 45, if they're fourth and one, he's at least going to think about it and sending a message or whatever. And he's making a good point lately. What's going to happen when they don't get one of those? Because he knows that's yeah. going to happen. Fans are always right. like, go, 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 go. And they forget that occasionally you don't get those. Or they stack it up or whatever. And uh, right. this is going to be a great test for this offensive line uh, and, uh, and, and this coaching staff and everybody. You know, Kevin, if you had to name for me the best coach in the Big 12 right now, would you say Matt Campbell or Lincoln Riley? Like if you just had to – uh, if you do, and I'll even include the new guys. I'll include Fickle in that because that guy can flat out coach. But like, mm-hmm. if you were at USC and you could have Riley, Matt Campbell, or Luke Fickle, who would you go with? Um, you know, I probably would go with Campbell only because that he's shown that he can rebuild uh, a program, and you know what he did at Toledo to put himself in a position where. He made the where Iowa State went to go get him, and he's committed to Iowa State and has been able to make that program uh, into what it is, you know, from laughingstock to Big 12 contender uh, has been nothing short of exceptional. I mean, Matt, we were talking, you know, maybe six years ago how Iowa State was a laughingstock, and that was a gimme win. I mean, you we saw Baylor 71, Iowa State 7 one year uh, in this series. And, I mean, the way that's the way Matt has changed that, and if you will – made Ames attractive to kids, and that's a really hard thing to do. But the fact that he's been able to do that really speaks to a persona and how he gets people to gravitate toward him. I think the one step that they still have to cross, even though they have beaten Oklahoma and Norman a couple years ago, is that they still have to show that they can win a championship. And that's probably the one thing that Matt is lacking on his resume. But, I mean, of of all the Big 12 coaches, I mean, obviously we know what Lincoln's been been capable of doing at OU – but I think if you really want a coach that's been able to go through the weeds and build something up, I think Matt would be your choice, that sort of thing. All right, there he is, Kevin Longquist. You can hear maybe some of the 80s and 90s hits in the background at his gym. <laughs> and as we speak, Kevin's looking at all those mirrors, flexing a little bit, admiring himself. Uh, Kevin, great job. You can read him on Rivals and uh, does a really nice job, and uh, appreciate you being on with us, and uh, hope to get to see you on Saturday. All right, man. Always a pleasure. Thanks for having me, okay? There he goes, Kevin Longquist.